0: Well, we're going to be talking on that today, the topic of God is for us. We're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us." Turn to your neighbor and say, "God with us." Just a, a little challenge to start us off is that Christmas obviously has a lot of themes that goes on in Christmas time. And if you've been following Jesus for a long time, in Christmas time, a lot of these things can we can get used to certain terms that happens in Christmas, like Emmanuel. When I said that, probably a lot of us have thought, "Well, I've heard this over and over and over again about God with us." And I just want to remind us all that the Word of God is living; it's active; it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It also comes to the division of bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and discerns the hearts and the, int- the intentions of the heart. The reason why I want to start off this way is to remind us is that if we're open and we're willing, and our hearts are open, is that something that we have heard a hundred or a thousand times, particularly with the word of God, can still bring fresh revelation, fresh insight to the season that you are in in your life. That's the beautiful thing about God's word being alive, is that Holy Spirit can minister to you, bring brand new thought and revelation to help you in whatever need or victory that you are going through, amen? So as we talk through God is with us, Emmanuel, I'm hoping that we'll have at the end of this sermon that Holy Spirit, I believe that he's going to reveal to us that he's going to walk us through and we'll have fresh revelation of what it actually means to have God with us. Because that is the crux of what Christmas is. Christmas is God with us, amen. Before we move on though, let's pray together. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, we thank you so much that you are a God that loves us, that you are a God that we can trust your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place and we thank you that you're going to be our teacher, that you're going to lead us into all truth. Help us to set aside any stresses or anxieties or distractions that are happening right now in our minds and help our hearts to be open to receive your word. We just want to know Jesus better. We want to be deeper in relationship with you. We want to walk away here today being a bit more like Jesus, and we thank you for that. As well, Father, we thank you for this great country we live in of Canada. We lift up right now every leader across our nation, from provincial to federal to municipal. Father, every single leader that has authority and that represents us, Father, we thank you that you're going to continue to lead them. You're going to make available wisdom and knowledge for them, that you will lead them in the direction that they need to go in terms of continuing to build this country upon your principles, upon principles that bring freedom and empower the people, Father. And if there are leaders and if there are people that distract from that, do not want what you want for this country, that are not in a place to lead this country, Father, we thank you that you are raising up great men and women who are going to fall into those positions, who are going to be able to lead this country the way that Canada needs to go to continue to be a light to this world and take its place of what you have for it in our World. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said, amen. amen, and amen, and amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. How many people have brought their real Bibles today? The real deal, people. Hold it up nice and proud. You can shame your neighbor if they didn't bring them for a second. iPad Bibles are number two on my list. And then, because you can see it, it's closer to a real Bible. And then the iPhone Bible, everyone's got an iPhone, so it doesn't count anymore. It's off my list. Matthew chapter 1, we're reading this morning. Uh, In Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Praise God. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means god with us. God with us. I believe that as we meditate on this, as we dive into this, is that it's really going to bring a fresh sense of what it means to have God actually with us in present, going through whatever you're going through, that we will re- not just realize, but experience what it means of what God intended that happened on Christmas. As we walk through this Christmas season, Can I just be honest with you for a second? You know the the, the quote or the term we always say, remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. That's kind of like annoying me a little bit. Does it annoy anyone else? Nobody? Like why do we have to remind people that Jesus is the reason for the season? We shouldn't need to remind people. Like we got presents, we got family, we got gatherings, we gorge ourselves with food. Just remember guys, Jesus is the reason for the season. It'd be like on Easter time, I'm me coming up here and reminding you guys, guys, remember, Jesus is the reason for Easter, right? It seems like a little goofy, you guys with me on that? No one's with me on that. I'm just I'm just gonna like, I'm just venting to you guys to get out my steam from the last maybe couple months of things I want to just let you guys know about. But Christmas, without Jesus, there is no Christmas. In fact, Christmas is Jesus. Christians non Christians Catholics, Muslims, all different religions a lot of different, a lot of people celebrate Christmas because it 's been all around we, we love the family gatherings, which are fantastic we love the food we love being able to give and receive presents we love the tradition that's a side of part of it. but we need to remember as we go through as, as believers and followers of Jesus that Christmas isn't just there as a holiday break for us, but Christmas is literally needs to serve as a reminder every time that Christmas is Emmanuel. It is God with us. It is a a turning point in history. It is a fork in the road from a legacy that we inherited through Adam to a new legacy that Jesus made possible for us to walk into. That is what Christmas represents. See, all of us We are all really bridges. We are bridges connecting two legacies. We are connecting a legacy that we inherit to a legacy that we're going to leave behind. Sometimes the legacy we inherit as humans, we leave behind the legacy that we inherit both physically, sometimes spiritually as well, is that when you look at some people, they inherit a horrible legacy, meaning maybe they came from nothing, they came from brokenness, then in their life they manage to turn that around and they leave a legacy that their kids and their family can run in. When I think of Christmas and I think of Jesus, I think of new legacy for every single one of us. You see, at the beginning, when few were born in the human race, which all of us were, is that we inherited a legacy of brokenness and sin, from Adam. If you were born into the human race, is that Adam set the tone of us being born into this area of sin, guilt, brokenness, separation from God. But guess what Christmas means? Christmas means a change of legacy. Is the legacy that we inherited when you come to know Jesus because the birth of this beautiful boy Jesus, we no longer have the legacy that we inherited is that we've got the opportunity to walk and embrace a new legacy, which means, Emmanuel, that God is with you no matter what. That God is there in your victories, and He's there in your problems, He's there in your trials, but God is with us. And as a reminder for all of us, and as we go, is that today, I want to talk about, as we look in Matthew, I can't help but not go back and find out what were they trying to say when the the writer in Matthew was quoting this prophecy about there will be a son, a baby that's born to a virgin. So as we just read in Matthew, I want to go back to Isaiah because this is really where we get the start from this prophecy of this miraculous birth, right? Jesus was a miraculous birth, amen? There's a reason why it was a miraculous birth. And you know, actually, again, can I just vent to you for like one quick second? Is this okay? hope this doesn't offend anyone. But I I know we use the term of talking about when children are born, oh, he's such a miracle, right? Maybe you didn't say it about your kid, but I thought that about my kid. (laughs) He's such a miracle. But really, I was thinking, it's actually the most natural thing going, right? Like, we all know how babies get here, correct? Grade 6 biology. In fact, it is so natural about how babies come that we can actually predict when they arrive. You know what I mean? Like, and actually, I think we're even a little bit arrogant that if the baby doesn't arrive when we predict it arrives, we blame it on the baby for being late or being early, right? My whole point, and kind of joking but a little bit serious there, is that the birth of Jesus was truly miraculous, and there's a reason why it was miraculous. And I ever want to take away from this miraculous season of Christmas is that Emmanuel, God with us, was truly a miracle of God lowering himself to become human, to be exactly where we're at, to be what we needed to restore ourselves to him. And, and, and just before I get going on this other part, a, a slight oversimplification for you, but the difference between Christianity And every other religion out there, is that really every other religion out there, I'll be very bold to say this, is you have a religious experience. And then you spend the rest of your days trying to do more good than bad so that your ledger is on the right side for when you meet your maker. That's essentially every religion out there. Us trying to earn and climb our way up to God who is way up there because we're just a bunch of little nothings. Christianity is the complete opposite. And this is what Christmas surmises here. Is that Christianity is, Jesus said, nobody's good. Don't even bother trying to be good. Only God is good. And God lowers himself, plunges himself into our humanity because he loves us so much that he lends us down a helping hand and pulls us up to him. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. Thank you. Praise God. That is... That is what we celebrate here at Christmas. So I'm going to say the term Emmanuel over and over and over again so that we get it so deep in our spirit and our hearts that we understand when we walk through Christmas, it's a reminder every day that God is with me. That God, Lord himself... Even despite my brokenness, despite my guilt and my shame, and we've all messed up, we have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, is that God loves us so much that He reached down to us, He became us, He became the God Man, so that we would have a shot, we would have an opportunity to be in recognition, to be in relationship with Him. But if you look at what what the if you look at what the writer in Matthew was saying is he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 7. Now, if you go back to the context of what's happening in Isaiah chapter 7, is that you have Isaiah who is a prophet, right? And, and just so everyone knows, a prophet, what a prophet does and what a prophet is, is they are not necessarily or most of the times, They're not trying to predict the future like a lot of us in Christian world have kind of messed up. A prophet is there to speak truth to culture and remind people about the ways that God has set out to bring people back on course. That's what Isaiah is doing in this, because you've got an evil king, Ahaz, and right now you've got the kingdom of Israel separated into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And you have King Ahaz, who is in this, who's the king of Judah, and in this moment you have Isaiah trying to bring him back to say, go back to the ways of God. Let's go back to what God has for you. Bring a portion before God. Go and bring and ask God for your help. This is Isaiah bringing, and Ahaz was an evil king because the things that he did, he shut the temple doors. He went and he brought altars all around the city so that people could sacrifice to other gods. He was truly an evil king leading God's people in a different way. So Isaiah is trying to bring truth to power in that sense. But Ahaz is refusing to go back to God. And at the time, you have Israel and Syria who's actually forming an attack on Judah. And what Ahaz is actually doing, he's ignoring Isaiah's thoughts, his, 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 what Isaiah is saying. And he is choosing, instead of putting his faith in God, who is God has proved himself over and over and over and over and over again to be a rescuer of his people, to meet them where they're at, to lead them through all the trials that they have been through. He is choosing to put his faith in another kingdom, the Assyrians, to make an ally, to become allies, to be able to fight what they feel is incoming. So Isaiah goes, and Isaiah essentially is like, okay, I'm done with Ahaz trying to get him to convince him. He's obviously not doing what what he should be doing. So then Isaiah goes and prophesies, and he says in this moment that there will be a virgin who gives birth to a boy. And if you read through it, what it means is, is that there will be victory. That's what Isaiah is saying. But Ahaz is refusing to move into this. And a lot of the biblical scholars at the time just assumed that this was a figurative or a a metaphor for that something's going to happen. It's going to lead to victory for Judah. But it doesn't happen. And you fast forward about 400 years and you look at now Matthew is literally bringing up this thing that Isaiah foretold 400 years ago. And is saying, no guys, this prophecy is literal. There is a boy that is about to be born. He is the Savior that's been prophesied all of these years. We are coming. What Isaiah was saying means victory is actually victory for every single one of us. Sometimes we hope and expect victory in our narrow minds of what we want. And God really knows what we actually need. And this is another example of that, where victory is coming in the form of a child. But the beautiful thing about God and who he is, and Emmanuel, meaning God with us is that God understood that through this process is that it would be hard for a people who have never really encountered a God to accept that this God would become man. If it was not for the fact that God revealed Himself over and over and over again in the Old Testament of showing up as Emmanuel, God with us in their present time and their present need. And as we walk through this, I want to just give you a couple examples because it's beautiful to see where God showed up in the Old Testament, physical form, not just an ethereal God that's kind of there or do his way, but physically, if you look and you look at the first time that God showed up physically outside of the Garden of Eden is that he showed up to a woman named Hagar who had a son named Ishmael. If you know the story of Abraham and Sarah. And she was fleeing for her life after having Ishmael and they were running in the desert. And guess what, God showed up to an Egyptian slave girl, in the desert who is fleeing for her life to remind her of the path that she has, the path that Ishmael has. He showed up in her time of need, God with us, to help put her back on course to where she needed. You look at Abraham and Sarah and God showed up to them, saying you are gonna be a father of many nations, letting them know of the future that they have. Not addressing them from the heritage or the legacy they've inherited, but actually prophesying into their life the legacy that they're going to walk into. You look at Jacob and Jacob at Peniel when he was actually wrestling with a man all night long and finally this man is God himself. And Jacob refuses to stop wrestling until he says, I am not stopping until you bless me. There are these encounters that happen over and over and over again from Samson's parents where God showed up to let them know that your son is going to bring a beautiful freedom to Israel. You look in Judges, you look in Daniel, when you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they at the face of culture and a king where everyone is doing the opposite thing, and they are faced with imminent death if they don't bow down, but they had faith in their God, and they're thrown into this fiery furnace, and they turned the heat up seven times hotter that the men throwing them in even passed away as they were trying to throw them in, but they threw in three men, and then King Nebuchadnezzar observed there's a fourth man in the fire. The fourth man being God himself showing up in their time of need to be there, Emmanuel, God with us. You go and look through Acts, you look through Genesis, you look through all this Bible of God setting the stage of being a God that shows up, a God that meets people where they're at. They're setting the stage so that when Jesus, the prophecy does come of God is with us for all time, is that people have an opportunity and are willing to accept this. And this is the beautiful thing about who God is: is that God is with you. And I want you to think in your mind, the thought, God is with me. Because a lot of us it can feel like that is there's a there's a gap between the thought and the, the reality of God with me. The beautiful thing about who God is, is as I said earlier, he lowered himself. To be with us. So we have to start at a place of love and realize that God loves each and every single one of us so much that He plunged himself into our humanity. Amen. God loves us that much. God loves you that much, so that you can now embrace, when you start to accept and you start to meditate and you start to understand and, and get away from that being a cliche because I know because I've been there for the longest time, that's been a cliche to me. Sounds awesome. I'll go through the motions, David. I've been born into Christianity, but I've never actually experienced it, so it must not be like as tangible as you're saying. But when you start to dive into God's Word, when you start to accept the fact and meditate on the fact that God loves me, how can a God, all-powerful, creator of the heavens and the earth, a God who speaks things into existence, how can a God love me? Well, he showed it by lowering himself in the form of a baby, the most vulnerable state that you can be in, to come here. This is what Christmas represents. It represents a change of legacy for you and for me. And when we dive in and understand that God's word means Emmanuel, God with us, I want to challenge all of us that we need to get to a place as Christians, as not just a Christian nation or I'm born into Christianity, but followers of Jesus to get to the point to recognize and understand that Jesus is Enough for me. Doesn't matter about my bank account or state of my friendships, and as we head into Christmas, maybe there's a lot of brokenness and families and hurt that goes on, is that all of those things that we get our eyes on to measure our life by, is that we need to elevate our eyes off of those false standards that we measure our lives by, and get our eyes on Jesus, on the fact that God, the creator of heavens and earth, became Emmanuel, God with us, and that your standard of life is measured by the love that God has for you. Not by the level of all these other false things that we measure our life by. But the only way that we do that, thank you Jesus, give God a hand. The only way we do that is you have King Ahaz who had the opportunity, even though he was an evil king, he had an opportunity to appeal to God and come back to God. And guess what? God would have met him exactly where he was at, but he did not appeal to God. And there's so many times in our life that we just are not including or appealing to God or getting into his word to understand and know not only who God is, but what he says about you. You might be faced with massive rejection as you're walking through this Christmas season. Maybe there's a lot of hurt and pain because your family is in pieces. And that rejection and that emotion can be very real. And a lot of us, we let that define who we are, we let it define how we act, we let it define how we go about our life. I'm not minimizing that there's real pain there, but the thing is, and the truth about God's Word, is that if we have God as our standard, what God thinks about us, what God says about me, what His Word says about me, if we have that, sure, we might walk through pain, we might walk through brokenness, but when we know who we are in Christ, I go back and I remind myself that God loves me so much. God loves you so much that if you were the only person on earth, he would have became a human just to come get you. That you're accepted. That you've got a destiny. That you've got this future that God's laid out for you. That he is there to help you when you're going astray. He is there to remind you of the future that you have with him. And when you are inundated with what God's word says, sure, you'll feel a little bit of that pain and rejection going on. But guess what? It doesn't amount to much because your security and who you are in Christ actually comes back to God. Emmanuel, God with us. God is real. What he thinks about me is real. Real. And that forms an actual place of empowerment for you to be able to go back into that situation and see God work through that situation instead of that situation defining you. And my challenge is for all of us is that we get to the place where God is actually enough. I'm just gonna let that sit for one moment because I know a lot of times we can think that, but ask ourselves the question. I ask myself this, is God actually enough for me? If the shirt off my back was ripped off from me, is God enough for me? If I lost everything that I have, is God enough for me? Because when Christmas time happened, when you have this beautiful baby boy, our Savior, Jesus Christ, born from a virgin, this miracle of a birth, it was God coming down, reaching out his hand, saying, if you just walk with me, I will be enough for everything that you need. The pain, the hurt, the brokenness when you're distraught, all of these things they're going, to hail in compa- they're going to hail in comparison to the love and the joy and the victory that I can bring in your life. And this is what Christmas represents is God with us. And I want to just close off by saying well actually we're going to read in, in God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to read in Genesis 39 verse 1 to 6 and this is the story of Joseph. Now Everybody knows the story of Joseph, right? Not this church, apparently. <laughs> if you're not a Christian, you know the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph, it, it, just by a little side note, if you're having a bad time, just go read the story of Joseph. It's an understatement to say he had a series of unfortunate events in his life. Joseph, <laughs> Joseph got screwed over and over and over again, right? Joseph's family betrayed him. They actually left him for dead. They may as well have murdered him. Joseph didn't have a bank account, didn't have a trust fund, didn't have friends, was sold into the slave trade, right? This guy had a lot of things happening. And I want to read to you what happens here. In Genesis 39, it says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down there. Now, I want to stop there, because a lot of times when we read through Scripture, we can miss beautiful nuggets of what's going on. Now, to emphasize that one sentence, I mentioned earlier how Joseph had nothing, left for dead, in a pit, picked up by the Ishmaelites, a slave trade, and then he was actually walking through the deserts with a bunch of other people in chains, walking through the desert, going from village to village, waiting to be sold, to. they have no idea where they're going to be sold. Again, no family, no home, no money. They got nothing. In fact, when they were actually sold in those times, is they were also sold to people being completely naked. So they did not even have the shirt on their own back when this was happening. They were sold naked so that the people behind them could see, was there disease, is there sickness, is there things that are hidden by clothes? So this is the context of Joseph. He had a loving family. They betrayed him, left him for dead. He had nothing. Right? He had absolutely nothing. But then you look in verse 2. Joseph is in this moment. And then what does it say? And the Lord was with Joseph. Now that's cool. I know some of you are thinking, doesn't look like it, David. (laughs) But then after that, this is the beautiful part. Verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Now, this is hard to grasp in our. Maybe one day we'll do a series on the Western materialistic Christianity we all suffer from. (laughs) But it's hard if we live in the world that we live in. Oftentimes we view our religion, our Christianity, our God through the lens of what we get. What has God done for me? Is my materialism where I'm at? is this, this westernized comfort defines how God's actually moving in our life. And that's very hard to work around if we're not on purpose about it because we're inundated with our culture with this idea. But you look at Joseph. Joseph had nothing, didn't even have the clothes on his back, was betrayed, left for dead, he was naked, and he was being sold like cattle. But guess what? God said, you're a prosperous man because I am with you. See, he gets to this point where he's not even measuring, thank you Jesus, he's not even measuring his life by what he gets from God. He was in a position where he understood before the prophecy happened that Emmanuel, God is with me. So if God is with me and we embrace those moments, we embrace what that actually means, we lean into that, we study that where our heart is convinced of it, is that no matter what circumstances come against you, you will consider yourself a prosperous man or a prosperous woman. I'm a prosperous man because God's with me. You're a prosperous woman because God is with you. I think we need to say over and over again, remind ourselves, God is with me. See, I don't even want to go and tell everybody what happened to Joseph after that moment. I don't even want to tell you. That's not important. Like, who cares about the blessings? Dead quiet in here on that one. (laughs) But when we're at the point of God is enough, who cares? Joseph was at the point, God is enough. He was a prosperous man. But you look what God did with his life when he arrived at that point. Too often, the reason why I'm picking on this westernized type of Christianity is too often we skip the part of God is enough and we want to jump to what blessings are coming into my life. Did I get the healing? Did I get the money? Did I get the friends? Is my social media? All of these false standards of measuring our lives. And it's so hard to move through this if we're not diving into the word Getting to know God, reminding ourselves that God is enough. Jesus is sufficient. Emmanuel, God is with me. Now this is so empowering. As I close right now, this is so empowering because it reminds me, it should remind you, is that whatever brokenness you are going through right now, whatever valley or whatever mountaintop you're approaching, God is with you. That's why it says in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God. I'm not even going to say the rest. <laughs> seek first God's kingdom. It's almost like God's throwing away the rest because all these things, whatever, they'll, they'll take care, we'll take care of them. Don't even think about that. Joseph had nothing, and he was a prosperous man. He had God, and that was enough for him. And My challenge for us is that we go through Christmas, as we go through this season, is that we are reminded continually that the reason why we celebrate on the 25th of December is that God loved you so much, is that he plunged himself into our humanity because he loves you, because he wanted to bring you up and out of our guilt and our shame, which we inherited as a human race, and he's the one that paid the price for us so that we will have a change of legacy. We are not a legacy full of guilt and shame but we are now are walking in a new legacy of victory. Why? Because Emmanuel, God is with us. Not because I'm good enough on my own, because of Jesus. God is with me. I could have the shirt ripped off my back, I can lose all the money that I have, I can be scolded and no one wanna hear me talk ever again in my life. But guess what? That's okay because God is with me. When we get to that level of security and know who Jesus is, that's when life starts to thrive. That's when life starts to really go. And that's the beautiful thing about this relationship with God. And as Christmas approaches, not only as a church are we believing and praying with you, but I believe it's going to be a season of restoration for you. I believe it's going to be a season of, of new revelation of God actually with you no longer a cliche, but I experience God. Why? Because I am including him in every area of my life. I am petitioning God in every area of my life. I am reaching out to God. God, what do you think? God, I know I'm broken. I know I fail. I know I, I got all of these things going on. But with you, God, you are enough. And in my weakness, God, he is strong. Because I am weak, he is made strong. And through that, that's really the answer that happens in our world is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, in our world we live in. Obviously, there's issues going on everywhere. There's problems. Doesn't seem to be getting any better. We've got world leaders that love to play identity politics, divisive tactics. We love people that pit each other pit ourselves against each other. We have all of these things that are going on. We've got university leaders that play semantics with calling out blatant evil that's going on in our world because whatever ideologies they're playing with, it's it's insane. We've even got the the Canadian Human Rights Commission in Canada calling Christmas um, religious... What's the word? Someone help me out. Thank you. It's coming against religion and it's intolerant of other people. We've got all these issues going on in our world. And we can be inundated with what's happening in our culture. But the thing that we have to realize, no matter what issue is going on, no matter what problem seems to happen, is that the only answer to our world is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the only one that can change hearts. He's the only one that can lift people's eyes up. Laws and rules and all that stuff, they can't do it. It is Emmanuel. So remember as we walk through this season that God is with you. And because he is with you, he goes before you. He empowers you. He is there to lift you up, to be a light, to shine his glory. i got to stop because I'm way over time. But I want you to remember, through Christmas, Emmanuel, we can't say this enough, God is with you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to, could you bow your heads and and close your eyes with me for one second? As I want to give you an opportunity is that if you do not have a relationship with God, maybe you, you've heard this a hundred times and you wonder, I don't know where I'm at with God. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you feel like God's left you behind. Maybe you've been dealt a bad hand and you think it's God that's angry at you. Whatever it is, I just want to let you know that you have an opportunity right now to be in relationship with God. A God that loves you so much, He loves you exactly as you are for who you are right now in this moment. You don't have to change. You don't have to go and clean up all your bad habits to come back to be good enough. No, God came down and lowered himself to be us, to lift us back up. And that's the beauty of God. And to be in relationship with him, the Bible says we have to do just two things. Number one is that we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. What that means is we, as we repent of our ways, saying, God, I don't want to do life on my own. I'm no longer God of my own life. I choose you to be the Lord of my life. That is this idea of choosing God, of being in relationship with him. We choose and acknowledge that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. The second thing that we do and the word of God says is we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So when we do those two things, you automatically are in God's family. You automatically are brought back together with God in our original intention of how we live. So all that the same. if that's you and you want to start a relationship with God, I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and when I do, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, and no one's looking around. It's just me. And if you want to start that relationship with God, would you raise your hand in one, two, three? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you back there. Thank you over here. Praise God. Thank you. Over here. Thank you. Thank you. Over here. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. If I don't see your hand, that's okay. God knows what you're deciding. I also want you to know if you're in a different site or if you're online as well, is that God knows it thank you over here. God knows exactly what you're deciding in this moment, which is the beautiful thing. I'm going to ask everyone to pray out loud. Repeat after me with these beautiful people who are making a decision for Jesus. And we're going to lead you in this prayer. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement says amen and amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision.